Welcome to the Mexico Business Now podcast. This is A View from the Top, an open space for industry experts to share knowledge, information, and expertise on the most relevant topics, events, and happenings on their corresponding sectors. Welcome, everyone, to the newest edition of the Mexico Business Now podcast. I'm your host, Sofia Hanna, and here with us today is Ivan Canales, General Manager at Nubank Mexico. NU is a digital finance firm serving nearly 75 million customers throughout Latin America. Thank you for being here, Ivan. Before we start with the questions, I'd like to give you some space to introduce yourself, NU, and your role within it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And thank you so much for giving me the space to tell you a little bit about myself and about New Mexico's story. I work in New Mexico as the general manager, and New Mexico is Mexico's operation for Nubank. Nubank is a technology company that focuses on financial services. We have been operating in Mexico for over four years, where we launched our first product, uh, no annual fee, no surprise costs credit card. And as of a month and a half ago, roughly, we launched our second product uh, deposit account, which we call Cuenta Nu. And we've been really excited to see the adoption here in Mexico. As of last year, we hit 3.2 million customers in the market, which made us the number one new credit card issuer in the market. And we've been really happy not only about our growth, but also about the customer reception. Our NPS, Net Promoter Score, is over 90, where the rest of the market is from 35 to 40. And it's been quite an exciting period. We're really excited to see how Mexico is moving along and transforming in its digital services products. And I've been really, really excited to be working as a general manager for New Mexico and super excited to be here to tell you a little bit more about, about my story and about New Mexico. Perfect. We're excited to have you here and to open such an important conversation. I'll jump into my first question. How has your personal journey influenced your leadership style and approach to foster inclusivity and diversity within your finance company? Yeah, I come from a, a very unique position, I guess, in the business world, being an underrepresented minority myself. I'm a member of the LGBTQ community. And I think perhaps that life experience has made me more empathetic with the challenges that not only folks from the LGBT community, but perhaps folks from other underrepresented communities may have in the business environment. And I think through having that life experience, I think I've built some empathy and really kind of understood the relevance of bringing those topics to the table and having frank and honest conversations about how we can best support everyone really in showing up to work and sharing the insights that they may have, which may be different, perhaps of folks with different life experiences. And so I think my life journey has, you know, fortunately helped me create a little bit of that empathy on the one hand. On the other hand, I also think representation is really important. I know that when I first started my career and the companies that I worked for, I didn't see any openly gay or any open members of the LGBT community in the high ranks of the company that I was working for. And I think to me, that sent a signal. So I think creating representation, creating visibility, making sure that you share with the rest of the community kind of your experience in order to create a little bit of empathy and to help others also feel seen. I think that's also very, very important. But speaking a bit from kind of a more 
analytical framework or thinking a little bit more about kind of how do you systematically build a team that's diverse and in which folks feel included, I think of a three pillar approach that we call find, grow, keep. So in the finding column, so to speak, whenever you do have a new up and roll, it's important that you consider diversity communities as you make the decision on who to hire and kind of being systematic, perhaps going a little bit of a broader pool before you make your decision. And I think that helps you create more representation in the incoming files of folks that come into your team. But at the same time, you have to think about it a little bit more holistically. It's not only about hiring folks that have a diverse life experience. It's about being able to grow them and being able to keep them, um, which are the other two pillars. So in growth, you focus in making sure that you understand the realities of the people that are in your team and that you create initiatives that are catered to the specific needs of the communities that exist within your company and provide them with support to continue to up-level their skills and growing within your company. And in the keep column, it's making sure that you're keeping track, so to speak, of the trends that you may have in your team around attrition. And for folks that you do leave, being really intentional and understanding what were the reasons for them to leave, what are some of the insights that you may have from their experience and kind of creating this feedback cycle on the keep column. And so I think both approaches are really important. I think there's kind of an empathetic human approach that's important to make sure that folks feel heard, feel cared for, but there's also this other systematic kind of business-like approach, so to speak, that you can think about when you're thinking about building strong and diverse teams. Thank you so much. You kind of answered my next question, but I'd still like to go a bit deeper. In a traditional conservative industry like finance, what strategies have you implemented to create an inclusive environment for LGBTQ plus employees to feel supported and empowered? Yeah, I think something that is really important that perhaps derives from this kind of human empathetic approach is a little bit about codifying what you believe in and values, right? So for example, in New Mexico, we have a value that we call build strong and diverse teams. And I think being able to speak clearly and symbolically, so to speak, it's important for the rest of the team to understand that it is valuable to you and to your business strategy and to the team to make sure that within the pillars of the way that you operate, you explicitly enunciate that diversity is a core pillar on how you think about team building. I think that, again, helps set the tone of the entire company on how we talk about and how we care about these topics. And so I think that is really, really important. But at the same time, I think it's also really important to complement the why you do that. I think sometimes it gets lost on folks that diversity also has a business purpose. Diversity for diversity's sake, yes, of course, there's kind of a social component that I think is important to highlight and to care about, but there's also a very clear business component when you think about diversity, right? When you're building a team, generally speaking, you're thinking about professional backgrounds, the professional backgrounds that are needed to make sure that the problems that that team is likely to tackle have enough tools to analyze the problem, to think about what may be potential solutions, coming at it with different training, so to speak, 
usually helps us get to a better solution. I would say that very similarly, having different markers in terms of diversity, I think it's also important to make sure that problems are tackled in a more complete manner. I think if folks that come in with exactly the same life experience have similar solutions to the business problems that are ahead of them, we may be losing on the richness of a more complete discussion. And so diversity in and of itself is a business tool. It's a strategy. And I think having folks understand that and internalize it, I think also helps us realize that our decision-making process will benefit from having different voices at the table and helps others seek that diversity in their day-to-day life, right? So it's a more kind of incorporated approach to the overall ethos of the team. And I think kind of both of those pieces are important, right? Like the symbolic value of naming diversity as a value, but also at the same time, the kind of inspirational portion of helping the team understand why that value is important to you and is very directly tied to the business strategy that you're trying to pursue. That is a very interesting point on how to actually have inclusivity without just spewing empty words. My following question addresses the finance industry more directly. Are there any specific challenges for the LGBTQ community members that you have identified when applying for credit? That's an interesting question. I can imagine that perhaps, for example, for someone that has kind of a non-traditional gender expression, perhaps going to a sucursal, to a bank branch, could potentially be an intimidating experience. Same thing with, quite frankly, just kind of gender in general, right? Like it's quite possible also as well that perhaps going to kind of a formal place like a branch could be intimidating to other types of minorities. And so I think from that perspective, a strategy like the one that New Mexico is taking can actually open the door to a lot of folks that perhaps would have historically felt intimidated by going to kind of a formal branch to have access to financial institutions. So a a digital-only solution can be a lot more friendly for folks that perhaps could potentially have that anxiety in kind of hiring financial products. But at the same time, the fact that you can use technology to make these decisions can potentially reduce human bias when it comes to making decisions about credit. And so not only do I think that the format of these digital solutions to financial services helps enable better access, I also think that the fact that we leverage technology to make better decisions about our clients could potentially also expand access, right? About, for example, about 45% to 50% actually of our customers are new to credit cards. So we know that the approach that we are taking is actually expanding access significantly for the Mexican market. We are already in nine out of 10 municipalities in the country and in eight out of 10 municipalities deemed as high priority by the federal government. So we know that the approach that we're taking is not only expanding access to underrepresented communities like the LGBT community, but really expanding access to all Mexicans that perhaps historically have not necessarily had the opportunity to access good quality products. As you may know, in Mexico, we have financial inclusion indices that are much lower than some of our counterparts here in Latin America. 
Only 11% of Mexicans have access to a banking credit card, and only about half of Mexicans have formal savings products. And we think that this is something that can be solved through technology, through building better products that are more accessible, that are more transparent, and it benefits the entire Mexican population at the same time that it benefits minority groups. Of course, we hope to see the industry further closing these gaps. Moving on, I would like for you to share how you leverage your position as general manager to advocate for LGBTQ plus community rights and drive progress within the broader financial industry in Mexico. Yeah, I'm perhaps actually a fairly unusual in terms of profile general manager for a financial institution here in Mexico. From a career perspective, I grew up building digital products. I have been working as a product manager for the last 10 years. And so that profile professionally is a little bit different than some of my other counterparts, perhaps at large financial institutions. And it's something that's actually very intentional, right? In New Mexico, we care very deeply about building kind of friendly products with excellent customer service. And I think that profile reflects it. But at the same time, the fact that I belong to the LGBT community is also something that is relatively unusual in the sector. And it's something that I've always been really open about from, you know, the moment that I came into New Mexico, from the work experience that I've had in the United States, because as I mentioned earlier, I think representation matters. I think being transparent about who you are allows you to also have a different perspective, a different voice in rooms in which perhaps the perspective may be a little bit more, more uniform. And what I have found throughout my career is that if I reframed kind of my life experiences as an opportunity to bring a perspective that was different from the folks that were in the room, I have found that you can make things happen differently. Here in New Mexico and New Bank at large, we have a value that we call, we challenge the status quo. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a value that we live very strongly and it's a value that I absorb in my personal life. And I think the fact that I come in with a different perspective by having a different life experience can kind of naturally put me in a position in which I challenge assumptions. I think about problems perhaps from different angles that others may. And I think it's important for us to continue to add different voices, not only from the LGBT community, but also from other underrepresented groups such as women to the mix, because I think that the sector as a whole can benefit from having folks with different perspectives and different life experiences and different careers. Thank you very much, Ivan. I also believe it is very important to, at times, raise your voice and say, we exist, we are here, our opinion is important and valuable. And regarding that, what do you see as the main opportunities to prevent discrimination in the corporate environment? That's a very interesting question. I think, you know, I kind of go back to empathy. We all have our life stories and we all have had at a certain point in our lives, the feeling of an outsider, right, of perhaps being a little bit different from someone else in the room. And I think being able to connect with that experience, to empathize with kind of those moments that we may have had in the past uh, and use that empathy to kind of reach out and think about folks that may feel excluded, perhaps at certain points, I think that empathy and that ability to connect with others in just a more human level will not only, quite frankly, open doors to the LGBT community, but will open doors to a lot of different people that have life experiences that are that are unique and that perhaps right now, because 
of the fact that they may feel like an outsider. They may not necessarily feel quite as comfortable raising their voice and providing a perspective that perhaps may have changed the way that you think about a problem. And so I go back to empathy. I think that's really the kind of the human emotion, so to speak, value skill that is most likely to help us open the door again, not only to the LGBT community, but, you know, to other groups that I think sometimes, you know, lack a little bit of, of representation and a voice. And I think something that I very kind of intentionally have wanted to do over my career is to realize that it's also important to pass the mic to folks that have different life experiences than myself that may have something to say that, you know, because of who I am and what I've lived, I'm not able to kind of say, uh, say myself, obviously, I think it's important that we give the space for folks in other communities, including, for example, the trans community to tell their own stories. And again, it goes back to building empathy for folks and making sure that they understand why we're doing the things that we're doing. Of course, it is very interesting to learn to listen to other people and see the value of their experience and also the importance of knowing when to share the spotlight and give others confidence to speak their mind and share their stories and truth. Now, given your position, what advice would you give to other finance companies in Mexico who seek to foster a more inclusive and secure environment for LGBTQ plus employees and customers? Yeah, I think probably the advice that I would give is the history of the LGBT movement, I think, has, you know, go through so many different phases. And at some point, you know, the fact that companies spoke freely about LGBT issues, even kind of exclusively during the Pride Month, was definitely a win and an evolution, right? Like, let's also not kind of underplay how important it is for companies to kind of state proudly that they have LGBT employees that they support in a specific kind of month of the year. But what I would do is to encourage every company, not only companies in the financial services space, to think about uh, inclusion as not only something that happens in June, but something that happens throughout the year, right? I think generating safe spaces for LGBT folks, as well as other types of underrepresented groups, is something that you have to build constantly, is something that cannot necessarily be kind of a moment in time effort. And so I think kind of incorporating that kind of spirit that many of them have in June to kind of a yearly effort, I think that can also help and make sure that the LGBT community feels more included as professionals in their company. Thank you again, Ivan. We're almost done with the questions, but I am curious, circling back into the financial topic and the economic gaps that exist, what do you think economic well-being could mean for these minority groups and LGBTQ plus groups specifically? I mean, I think... Quite frankly, it's similar to economic well-being for any other individual, right? As I mentioned, right, in Mexico, we have this, you know, sad statistic of the fact that our financial inclusion metrics are so low. And I think that that really is a disservice to millions and millions of Mexicans, right? Like 11% of customers not having access to a banking credit card. That is something that really impacts folks in their daily lives, right? Having financial products that are complex, that don't explain what's happening, that is something that could potentially lead folks to kind of bad situations for them in terms of financial planning and their financial lives. And, you know, I think of this problem as, yes, a problem that affects the LGBT community through inclusion, but perhaps an issue that is 
much broader than it, right? It's really kind of a something that we need to reflect upon as a country, so to speak. I don't know if you heard, actually, when we did the Cuenta New Launch, we launched it having a mattress in a park here in Mexico, a large, large mattress where we put bills underneath, right? And this mattress was to represent the fact that there are about 70% of Mexicans that basically have their money sleeping, right? That have money that is not generating any interest on a day-to-day basis. And I think this is really kind of an important thing to remind ourselves, right? Mexicans have had access to poor products up to now. Five financial institutions control 80% of the market. And I think driving inclusion to more Mexicans, not only the LGBT community, is something that I think we should be focusing on. And it's something that, you know, as New Mexico, we're here to continue pushing. And I'm excited to kind of continue to launch uh, simple, human, transparent products and hopefully continue to influence the rest of the industry to become more competitive, to build better products, to make sure that they provide better service to all Mexicans. It is quite a fascinating topic that which you're touching on. Not only do we have these gaps, but there is a huge factor of Mexico being behind in the offer of services for its population, which increases said gaps. To close off, I would like to hear from you a book or podcast recommendation along the lines of our conversation. Yeah, look, I think I mentioned earlier that I thought it was important as you're thinking about team management and as you're thinking about building your own story in terms of culture and getting folks to understand why topics like diversity and inclusion are important, that starting with why was something that was kind of really relevant to make sure that folks really kind of embraced an idea. And I, there's a book actually that's called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Uh, who I, uh, you know, I would really recommend folks to read. I think it's it's a book that helps us understand how to build better stories that move people. And that would probably be my recommendation. You can apply it to topics such as diversity and inclusions, or you could apply it to broader topics such as your marketing strategy. I think it's a book that's really insightful and in that it helps us connect with how humans work, which I guess works in kind of many different contexts for many different reasons. And so that would be perhaps a recommendation for folks to take a look and read. Great, Ivan. Thank you very much for your time, the information, and for being here. Those were all of my questions. If there are any last statements you would like to make, feel free to do so. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you also for tackling these topics that are so important to talk a little bit more about. I believe that, you know, Mexico is at a very interesting inflection. I'm excited to see how the financial services industries continues to evolve to include not only kind of underrepresented groups uh, such as the LGBT community, but also kind of a broader swath of Mexicans that haven't necessarily had access to good financial products. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, go check out what Ivan and Nu are doing on their website, LinkedIn, and social media. Don't forget to follow us, leave a rating and a review on whichever streaming platform you're using to listen to this podcast. And if you want to learn more about Mexico's business ecosystem, don't miss out on our daily audio articles written by the best experts across all industries. And we'll see you next Monday with a new View from the Top. <laughs>